Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for MPB comes from University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi's electoral votes are going to President-elect Donald Trump. We'll take a look at the process. We meet on the first Monday after the second Tuesday, uh, according to the Constitution. We cast our votes depending on what the election was in November. Those results are then certified here and they're sent to the United States Congress. Then state and federal law enforcement team up in the capital city for Operation Silent Night. Later, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on what 90 years of living can teach you. And a feature story on dealing with depression during the holidays. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's six electoral college votes are going to Republican President-elect Donald Trump and his running mate, Vice President-elect Mike Pence. The electors cast their ballots at the Capitol yesterday as protesters gathered outside, calling on the electors to vote for someone else. Mississippi's six electoral votes will now be sent to Washington, D.C., where they will officially be counted during a joint session of Congress next month. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman tells MPB's Paul Boger. The date for gathering the electors is mandated by law. We meet on the first Monday after the second Tuesday, uh, according to the Constitution. We cast our votes depending on what the election was in November. Those results are certified here and they're sent to the United States Congress. In a joint session, I think in early January, they uh, confirmed the Electoral College and the president sworn in on the 20th. You know, there was a lot of uh, talk in, in the last week or two of trying to get electors to either change their vote or vote against the popular vote in certain states. You know, is that, was that even a possibility here in Mississippi? Is that something that they can do? Each of these electors took an oath to vote for the person that, 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 were, uh, that they were behind, and Trump and, and Clinton. And so we have a kind of a quasi here. We don't have a, a firm obligation in our statutory, but they take oaths. So, um, and each state is different, which is good. States have the right to conduct their own elections, just like we have the right to have voter ID here. Some states don't have that. So I think it's good. Our, our legislature decided that the oath was appropriate and not a state, a state statute. So that's the way we conduct it. And I assume everybody voted for Trump because no one was fined or let off in handcuffs like, you know, some, some folks said that, said that they were. We don't do that, but, uh, <laughs> but whatever. No, uh, that, that doesn't happen in Mississippi. Everybody uh, honored their pledge today. MPB's Paul Boger with Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman. Charles Evers is one of Mississippi's electors. He's also the former mayor of Fayette and brother of slain civil rights leader Medgar Evers. He tells Paul Boger Trump's relationship with Russian leader Vladimir Putin is not an issue with him. I would love to see us friends with everybody so there won't be no wars. Why shouldn't he be friends with Putin? He's the head of a country and a strong man 
And why should we be killing each other because we're head of a country? It doesn't make sense. I'm glad he's a friend of Putin. Do you have any concerns about some of the criticism that Donald Trump's face about you know, some of his racist comments or anything like that? You tell him I said this. 30, 40 years ago, America was racist. And, we, and we're still trying to get over it. So I, I am, that don't bother me. 82% of his employees in Chicago are black folks. 62 of them in New York are black folks. What the hell are you talking about? Call me a racist and give me a $16 an hour job. Call me anything you want to call me. That's my attitude. I don't mean more racist than you and I. I'm a racist to a point. I don't like some white folk. I don't like some black folk. That make me a racist. MPB's Paul Boger with Charles Everett, one of Mississippi's six electors. Jay Carthen of Jackson was one of the protesters outside the Capitol yesterday. She tells reporters allegations of Russia's involvement in the general election should be taken into consideration when assessing Trump's fitness to be president. We are out here because we want the electors of the Electoral College to um, hear our voice, that we would, we do not want a president that was uh, chosen by um, Putin, handpicked by Putin, that helped him win the election. Um, all the different things that Donald Trump has said while he was running for election was um, discriminatory against Muslim, against women, uh, against uh, people with disability. So we just want a president that represents all the people. Even the um, discrimination and the things that came out during the campaign, Trump never came back after the election to try to mend and bring the country together. The fact that all the people that he's appointing to office, none of them are qualified to hold a position that they hold. The, uh, the whole founders, Hamilton, uh, created the Electoral College so that a, a person that's not qualified wouldn't be elected to president. The exact thing that we're seeing now that is happening. Like I said, we are here to uh, let the six electoral colleges know that we want them to vote against Trump. At this point, look, we can do a do-over. You know, it's not even about what candidate, you know, we just don't like the, the process. Jay Carthen of Jackson, she was one of the protesters at yesterday's counting of Mississippi's sixth electoral vote in the presidential election. Up next, law enforcement teams up in the capital city for Operation Silent Night. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. As you consider where the country should go next, NPR will be here with the facts to help you make sense of new appointments, policy changes, and all of the day's news. So listen every day. I'm Kara Miller. Every week on Innovation Hub, I talk with the thinkers, researchers, and visionaries who are crafting our future. Tune in to hear conversations about how tribalism shapes us, what new research on obesity reveals, how chicken changed America, and why math class should be reinvented. Coming Sunday, January 8th at noon, hear Innovation Hub on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. State and federal law enforcement are touting the success of a weekend partnership with police in the capital city called Operation Silent Night. Governor Phil Bryant was on hand at the Department of Public Safety to announce the results yesterday afternoon. The crime suppression sweep in Jackson resulted in 84 arrests, some on felony drug and weapons charges. Jackson Police Chief Lee Vance tells MPB's Mark Rigsby an additional purpose of operations like this is to make law enforcement present. Felt. It was a cooperative uh, effort. 
local, state, federal law enforcement officers came together in an effort to do crime suppression in the city of Jackson, Mississippi over the past weekend. And I must say that uh, we had a very large turnout of law enforcement officers, and the operation from everything that we can tell was very successful. Was this uh, what some people would know as a warrant sweep, or is this something that was specifically targeted in certain areas and and you were casting a wide net to to get the people you were looking for? Wide net would be a much, much more accurate description because it was targeting the whole city, and we had enough resources to blanket the whole city. So, again, uh, it was comprehensive, warrant serving, checkpoints, um, and it was very successful. We're very happy with the results. Tell us about those results. What kind of arrests did you make? Over 100 citations. Numerically, it was very successful, but it was about more than numbers. It was about giving the citizens in this city a sense of comfort by seeing a large, visible presence of law enforcement. And when you have that, people feel safe. And that's what we're actually trying to do. We want to make Jackson the safest place in the state of Mississippi, the safest place in the country. And we actually want people to see those those law enforcement officers out there. And by their presence, makes them feel more comfortable. It goes back to the old, if you ever watch any of these old movies and you see the beat officer walking through the neighborhood, twirling his stick. His presence in the community was actually designed to make people feel safe. So that's what we're trying to do. Was this effort strategically timed out right before Christmas? Not necessarily, but I wouldn't say it was a bad time to have it. There's no bad time to go out and do law enforcement, especially on a large scale. I think the fact that uh, the holidays are here and a lot of people are out probably did make it a little better thing uh, as far as timing was concerned. But we didn't intentionally set out to do it at Christmas. It just kind of landed that way. Obviously, when you have the largest city in the state of Mississippi and the largest police force teaming up with state and local uh, jurisdictions, this is going to have a trickle-down effect in other areas. You know, the people that commit these crimes, they're not just going to stay in the city forever. They they maybe sometimes transient. They're going to go from one location to the next. I just wanted to see what your perspective is on having an impact statewide. I don't know if it's going to have much of an impact statewide, to be quite honest with you. I don't know how many of our criminals are, are transient, to be honest with you. I wish more and more, uh, to be quite frank about it. But, you know, what it does, though, is let it lets them know that we know that they are out there and they're causing a lot of confusion a lot of uh, a lot of people are afraid in their homes and we've got to combat that one particular operation on one weekend is not going to solve all our problems but it does let everybody know that number one we've got a governor in this state that's committed to making Jackson safer and we really appreciate him and with those resources that were made available the presence that was shown perhaps put something on somebody's mind to where perhaps I don't operate in the city of Jackson the way I used to because I'm going to have to deal not only with the Jackson Police Department but all of the resources that the federal government as well as the state government can muster. Here's one big thing. A lot of these cases, having our federal partners out there when the offense is uh, uh, applicable, They will take those cases into the federal court system. 
In the federal court system, if you get 10 years, we won't see you for 10 years. MPB's Mark Rigsby with Jackson Police Chief Lee Vance on Operation Silent Night, which was conducted over the weekend in the capital city. Up next, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on what 90 years of living can teach you. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. As you consider where the country should go next, NPR will be here with the facts to help you make sense of new appointments, policy changes, and all of the day's news. Listen every day. Every week on Innovation Hub. Your days are busy. Work, school, errands, kids. It never stops. And the news never stops either. You can keep up between Morning Edition and All Things Considered with Here and Now. Hi, it's Robin Young. And Jeremy Hobson. Here and Now brings you breaking news, developing stories, the latest in the arts and innovation. Asking tough questions, unpacking complex issues. From across the country and around the world. Join us. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kara Miller. Every week on Innovation Hub, I talk with the thinkers, researchers, and visionaries who are crafting our future. Tune in to hear conversations about how tribalism shapes us, what new research on obesity reveals, how chicken changed America, and why math class should be reinvented. Coming Sunday, January 8th at noon, hear Innovation Hub on MPB Think Radio. Some of the visitors on Mississippi's StoryCorps mobile tour are portals to the past. That was exactly the case when nonagenarian Mandy Elizabeth Underwood stopped by with her daughters, Jackie and Sandra Barnes. Did you have running water in your house? Oh, no. Indoor plumbing? A bathroom inside the house? Oh, no. Well, what'd you do if you had to go to the bathroom? (laughs) We just went outside at the toilet, we called it. Toilet. Okay. An outhouse. Outhouse, yeah. And you had one outhouse that was kind of special, I thought. Well, why why did you think that? How many people could go in at one time? Oh, you could, three or four could go in, (laughs) but you couldn't, but but two use it at one time. Right. But there was more than one outhouse, wasn't there? No. The men went to the barn. How many barns did you have there on the place? Oh, about three or four. What did you use the different barns for? Cows and calves and, and horses and mules and chickens, <laughs> chicken yards and dog yards. And what about pig? Pigs, oh, they'd have to be separated. They was noisy and they were just a lot of trouble. <laughs> did you feed the pigs? Oh, I didn't care a thing about those old pigs. Okay. Was it? Did it have something to do with... You and a doll that you didn't care anything about those pigs. My doll? Mm-hmm. Oh, it fell out of the tree and the dogs eat it up, just about it. And that was the only doll I had ever had. Do you remember about how old you were? Probably about four. And how did the doll get in the tree? Oh, it, the wind was kind of strong and the dog fell out. But how did it get up there? The dog wasn't up there. <laughs> I don't guess. Was the, the wind... doll in the tree? Ma'am. You the were... doll? It was yeah, in the tree. Yeah, yeah, it, it blowed out. Who put the doll in the tree? I don't know. We don't know all that. Okay, well, let's talk about something else. 
y'all raised most of the food you ate, correct? Yes, and, that's right. And, and the livestock and and stuff like that. Um, did you ever pick cotton? Oh, minion bale, a um, hundred pounds. So we we measured it out. It took about four of five hundred pounds to make a bale back when we picked it by hand. And you also had a veg y'all had a vegetable garden, correct? Yeah. You raised most of what you ate, is what I'm getting at. We um, raised it all. We even raised our chickens and if we had any meat, we raised the pigs and the chickens and hogs. Did you go to school during this time? Yeah. How'd you like school? I wasn't too crazy about it. I cried. I didn't want to go. You didn't? How did y'all get there, get to school every day? We had to walk about three or four miles. Okay. And you didn't go to school, get to go every day. The weather was too bad, and you was lucky if you went half the time. And you once told me that when the crops were coming in, school would kind of take a break for several weeks to get the harvest in. Yeah. What did you like about school? The main things I liked was the sports, basketball and football, but I couldn't play football you couldn't play much. Football. Did you run track? Oh, I, I took a part in anything that physically, you know, the body that you had to use muscles to do. Do you believe in heaven? Yes. Okay. Who would you like to see when you get to heaven? Mama and Papa. Your mama and your papa. If you could meet God when you got to heaven, what would you say to him? I don't know. Ask him where the rest of the family was. <laughs> <laughs> say, who made it and who didn't make it? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do with the rest of them kids? <laughs> to hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Nina Totenberg. You can support the programs you love by donating that unwanted vehicle. It's served you well over the years and can still get you around town, but let's face it, it's just taking up space. Donate it today. It could be worth hundreds of dollars to this station, and you could get a tax deduction. And thank you. Go to mpbonline.org and find the contribution link on our homepage. We appreciate your support of our programs. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Tis the season to be jolly is a popular phrase during the Christmas season. But for some, holiday cheer can be overshadowed by feelings of sadness and isolation. As MPB's Desiree Frazier reports, depression is one of the most common mental illnesses affecting millions of Americans during the holidays and throughout the year. 60-year-old Donna experienced a nervous breakdown 36 years ago during the Christmas holiday. We changed her name to protect her identity. Since then, she suffered from depression. People don't like to discuss it. It's still a taboo subject. She says dealing with what's considered by some to be a taboo subject left her feeling isolated, especially during the holiday season. Donna found herself feeling sad, 
lonely, and crying. The holidays seem to be a very rough time, a lot of expectations, gift-giving, family gatherings, people's expectations. It's a lot of pressure. You want to make people happy. You want to be happy. Donna says the holidays also remind her of her nervous breakdown. I just tend to remember that day. It's very memorable, but this is the first time in uh, 36 years that I am truly, truly happy. She's retiring soon from a career she doesn't like and believes that led to her depression. Donna sees a therapist and takes medication. Depression is one of the most common brain disorders affecting about 16 million Americans 18 and older, according to the National Institutes of Health. While some people have year-round depression that may intensify during the holidays, others have seasonal depression in the winter or spring. Dr. Chastity Torrance is a psychiatrist at Mississippi State Hospital. She says winter depression is more common. Days are shorter. People tend to stay in more and get less sunlight, which can impact one's mood. You can also have the holiday stressors, financial stressors, stressors that families are in. Um, And then also um, an anniversary or or loss of a loved one that really becomes prominent during the holidays when people gather together. Torrance says the symptoms include problems concentrating, lack of energy, loss of interest, change in appetite, and feelings of hopelessness. Anxiety can also occur, causing jitteriness, agitation, and even panic attacks. Torrance tells her patients it's a disease that requires treatment, just like high blood pressure or diabetes. She says therapy and antidepressants are commonly used to treat depression. 28-year-old Rachel is seeing a counselor and taking natural supplements after noticing a change in her mood during the summer. You're afraid almost to even admit to somebody else, hey, I think I might be depressed. She was able to do her job and interact with co-workers, but her energy level was low. Rachel didn't want to socialize. She began feeling anxious because she couldn't, quote, snap out of it. It sounds melodramatic or like you're making a big deal out of nothing. And I think that's where depression really gets its power is in keeping you isolated. Rachel says the fog is beginning to lift now that she's sleeping through the night. Stephanie Hawthorne is a licensed counselor. She says 75 to 90 percent of her clients experience depression and anxiety. So I always encourage my clients by saying, you know what, what strength you have in coming in here and sitting with me to say I'm at rock bottom and I I don't think I can do this and I need help. Hawthorne's gained a deeper empathy for her patients. After having her third child about two and a half months ago, she began experiencing postpartum depression. It became so severe it was hard for her to get out of bed. Hawthorne seeing a therapist and began taking an antidepressant about three weeks ago. She's starting to feel better. Honestly, not being able to will myself out of it has been probably one of the hardest things. Um, But what a gift it has been in so many ways because I'm learning, you know, and I'm able to empathize on a deeper level with those that I work with day in and day out. Donna says her faith in God and having a good friend to just listen has helped her over the years. Someone to confide in that would understand or maybe has even uh, gone through the situation, uh, they would appreciate it more. You just need that very, very close friend. Women are twice as likely as men to experience depression. Dr. Chastity Torrance says it's important to see a health care provider. The Department of Mental Health has a helpline for information about the disorder. The phone number is available at their website. It's dmh.ms.gov. 
Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Money Talks in Legal Terms and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. It's Marketplace Tech for...